0: Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. And I am so glad to have our guest here with us tonight, Brother Jamie Walden. But before that, I am sorry we missed Remnant Call last week. I was in uh, Colorado. I wish I was at brother Jamie's uh, thing. They just had to get together, but it was for work. And uh, somebody flipped out on the back of the plane. They canceled our flight. Uh, They'd to put me up in a hotel. And so I didn't get home till later. I was supposed to be back Friday. And um, it's interesting. The pilot was sharing with me how since they've legalized drugs and, um, and I think it's because of the fentanyl also, but he says these events happen now like crazy. Folks, we are definitely living in some perilous times. And uh it's just another reminder that I, I'm just looking forward to that second coming of Jesus and to get out of this place. And and folks, we cannot waste any time right now. And we're gonna talk about some of those things tonight by God's uh grace and mercy here on the remnant call. Um and I just want to mention something last night. I, I, um, had the pleasure of going to the local rodeo here where I live. And, um, uh, but they had I've, I heard it was coming I told my wife I, I want to go and so um I used to be in rodeo when I was back in the lived in California in the military and a lot of people have no idea that southern California is one of the hottest spots of rodeo um there, you could hit more rodeos they used to say back in southern California in a weekend than you could in Texas because uh, it was more closer together and uh, southern California about 15 miles inland or so or a little more it's it's nothing but ranch land um, and people don't understand that um off the coast there and and so it's uh it was a lot of fun and and everything and so getting back to watch rodeo was was great but what what did, it was like last night was just a moment in time for me to where for a split second I was thankful to be truly thankful for a moment to be an American as they were there at the rodeo. And they stood unashamedly, all the people and locals, of course, I'm in a more conservative country rural area, and they thanked all the servicemen. They prayed in the name of Jesus. They stood up and honored the flag, and there was such a boldness and such a cheering from the crowd and people shouting amen out loud that for just one split second in time, I could have cried. I could have cried. Because when you serve this country, open oh, you on your own voluntary uh, desires, and you nobody had to force you, and and you were so thankful growing up to be in America, and you see this country and the way we have fallen, and it just destroys you. And you know what? This place though, it's not my home. I'm not planning on staying here. But for one moment in time, I was so thankful to be here in the United States again, and it just felt like all the bad was gone for just a moment. And then, of course, reality sat in, and I had to remember the, the current times. But anyways, I don't know why I wanted to share that, but there are still people out there, folks, in this world who are in love with Jesus. They are not afraid to proclaim it, and they are not afraid to proclaim they're an American, and we're not ashamed of the flag, and we are not ashamed of who we are. And you know what? By God's grace, we're going to be together not much longer um, when this whole mess is over in the Lord's kingdom. Well, I won't Continue, won't uh, waste any more time with that i'm gonna bring on our guest tonight brother jamie jamie are you there yeah i'm here brother thanks for having me on again hey i am man i just i got so wrapped up last night in the rodeo brother i was just uh you man. know what it's funny every time i go to the rodeo which we usually go once a year
1: i say the same thing so it's funny that it's funny how you're articulating that because i'm like wow they just pray in the name of Jesus Christ and they open it up and it's really about God and country. Not again, not like my identity is not in American nationalism, but it's like, what a blessing to be born into a country where, where the name of Jesus is prayed in the middle of a stadium and everybody's shouting. And it, and it reminds me of how much the powers of darkness gnash their teeth and seethe to see it be stripped down and destroyed and trampled underfoot, and that is what they're doing. Because historically, although we know the juxtaposition of the founding fathers, right, the Deist and the and the Illuminist and the different uh, mystery school guys. But the authentic gospel was allowed to flourish and rise up as well, too. Like we have a uniquely blessed nation and all the history of humanity. The only one that surpasses it is the nation of Israel. And Mm. so I hate I hate seeing it be attacked so vehemently. But then you look at the nation of Israel. How was it attacked vehemently? Why? Because it was supernaturally blessed by God. So, Mm. yeah
0: amen yeah you're right and and i remember i was a little bummed because they only had bull riding and um i didn't have uh bareback which i i did in some steer wrestling but uh I, my daughter said hey dad you ready to ride because like yeah if i want if you want me to go to the hospital sure i'll jump back <laughs> on because yeah i also had a real reality check that i there's no way in the world i could do that again right now and, and <laughs> that's right so, it's good, so thank god man oh man they were brave out there and and the, the cool thing was said the this guy was his first ride in a big rodeo he was from our local town and he covered his bull man and the crowd oh that's went, cool they went crazy he t- mm. he just killed it so anyways well praise god brother i'm glad to have you. folks if you don't know james walden um uh, he is uh the head of the o- omega dynamics ministry but now they've got the big calico buffalo base camp that's going on in Colorado, brother you just had an event out there. Could you share a little bit about what happened? Yeah,
1: sure. The Lord called us out here. Uh, you know, it was by faith. We didn't want to move here, even though it's the Rocky mountains, it's beautiful, right? It's Colorado, but it's also uh liberal central and, you know, there's all kinds of other dynamics there, but uh, we, we came out here by obedience and took on a project that's been in over our heads. You know, there's been a hundred times over where I felt like it was time to to cut and run. And, and maybe I wasn't called to it, but the Lord sustained us and finally um, held our first event just uh, last weekend. And, and the Lord called us to gather his people to worship. And really it was based off of Zephaniah, Zephaniah two, like one through three that says, gather together, gather together. Oh, shameful nation gather together before the great and terrible day. Of the Lord arise before his, Fierce anger comes upon you before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble and the land, you who do what he commands. Seek the Lord, seek humility. Perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. And so it was in obedience to that verse that we just called people from across the nation to gather together before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives to worship him, to glorify him and to magnify him instead of magnifying all the other garbage going on around us. I want to magnify the Lord. And I know that it's in the magnification of the Lord that foreign enemies are routed and he sets an ambush against our enemies and and strongholds and Nephilimic super cities are torn down and the brokenhearted are bound up. So that's what we gathered and did. And it was amazingly blessed. We built a whole outdoor music venue and and just had people who have the gifting of worshiping and praising the Lord stand up and serve the body with their giftings and praise the Lord and enjoy create his creation all throughout the weekend.
0: So it was awesome. Amen. I would love to have been there, man. I I'd love playing music too. So praise God. Um, brother, I want to just open up with a word of prayer and ask that you would just pray because I know tonight we want to jump right in and discuss some of the things that are going on right now. And so, brother, if you could open this up, I would really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for, for your faithfulness towards us, God, that it's your faithfulness that's our shield and our buckler, Lord, our shield and our rampart. And I praise you that. It's not dependent upon our faithfulness, God, that we would fall so short. And I just love the promise, Lord, the hope and the eternal security that we have and knowing that you, Christ Jesus, are more than able to present us before the Father blameless and with great joy. And it's such a comfort, God, that we can walk with you and seek your face and come so boldly into your presence because of the way made through your son, Jesus. And so we pray for wisdom tonight, God, and for your words to be in our lips. Um, as it says in Jeremiah 15, that we would utter worthy, not worthless words, God, and uh, that we would do you justice and that we would glorify you and bless you with our conversation. And, and although there's things of intensity, uh, things of, that require zeal or even righteous indignation at times, um, there's also things that are filled with nothing but the magnification of who you are. And so take a cold from your altar, God, touch our lips. We're men of unclean lips and we live among a people of unclean lips, but I praise you that your blood, Christ Jesus speaks a better word. And so uh, just bless our time this evening, God, and we thank you for it. And
0: we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother, I want to jump in tonight because you and I had talked about this and folks there's a program way back on the remnant call. Uh, on the sons of Issachar. But brother, I wanted to bring this up to kind of kick off this evening. Um, First Chronicles 12, 32 says this, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Brother, this is the thing. I feel like there are so many people out there today. And I and I want to, folks, I want to talk tonight more about the Watchman community, more about those that are claiming the end times, because if you if you don't understand the deception that's going on in the modern day church, there's not a lot I can help you with, honestly. But from the standpoint of even those that are in the end times so so-called movement, there are many with understanding of the times, supposedly. But what separated the children of Issachar out, okay? Because look, there are prophecy shows after prophecy show that will fulfill your every denominational desire or belief structure or whatever it is, okay? That will just tell you. Uh, now, unfortunately, most of them think they're already gone and they've flown away before all these things happen, but that that's another topic. And uh, But for right this second, the problem I have, is that they don't have the second part of the children of Issachar, is they don't understand what Israel ought to do. Because if you understand Romans chapter 11, and if you have been grafted in as a wild olive branch, if you're a Gentile, or maybe you are literally born Israelite, I have no idea. It doesn't matter either way. You're either grafted in being natural or wild, or you're not. There's no in-between. So this verse applies to us right now. We are children of Israel because I don't know if I've got the blood heritage. I don't understand. It doesn't matter because of Christ's blood I have been grafted in. And the Bible says that the sons of Issachar knew what we ought to do, not just understanding the times because you can understand the time and go straight to hell. That's a fact. Because the world understands the times. They understand the times better than some of the evangelical churches do. But, Brother Jamie, you know this verse well. And, and I don't know what your perception is of what's going on in this hour, but this is something that just seems to hit me square between the eyes of the current moment that we are in right now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that you would bring that up because I I recently in the last year and a half spoke specifically from that section of it, uh, of scriptures at several conferences about the and and knew what Israel must do, and it's the most it's the most uh negated and nullified section of verses for this particular generation and the reason being is because of actually prophetic fulfillment of what we're told in second timothy 3 and first peter and and second peter and revelation 3 and all these things about the latest in church age the number one thing spoken to throughout the end time scriptures is the posture not of the of the pagan world but the posture of the church It's all, they're all written. These are the letters to the churches, the letter to the churches, the letter to the churches, right? All these are letters to the churches, not to the unbelieving world around them. It's a letter to the churches. And what's particular about that is it's constantly speaking to the posture, that being one that is neo-Gnosticism. And neo-narcissism, I'm just making that up as I'm babbling, right? So like this neo-narcissism this neo-narcissism is central to the spirit of the last days church, which is always learning, but never able to come to an understanding the truth. They're lovers of Pleasure rather than lovers of God. They are lovers of self, right? They surround themselves with great teachers telling them what their itching ears want to hear. Always, always, always learning. Neo Gnosticism. It is the constant pursuit of knowledge, a deeper rabbit hole, a deeper rabbit hole, a deeper rabbit hole. The latest, greatest intel, the new intel, the next podcast, the next YouTube, the next whatever, right? It's this inundation of the understanding of the times. It's this insatiable, broken cistern of desire for an understanding of the times yet it's devoid of the second part of the sons of issachar is having an understanding and knowing what israel must do knowing what the church must do right and again this gets back to that neo-narcissism and this neo-gnosticism which is rooted in a love of self and a love of pleasure rather than love of God. And we talked about this a little bit off air. This is, this is what I've seen more often than not, especially in the, in the, in the um, watchman uh, culture and the, the truther, the, the awake truth, truther based Christian movement. And I'm not saying any of the watchmen are at fault. This is the predisposition of the people. This is a predisposition of being a lover of pleasure and a lover of self, right? And being subjected to that. See, we want to point to the people that are in Joel Olstein's churches, right? Or whatever. Swing the pendulum, whatever way you want to smash the tetherball, whatever way you want to smash it, right? But we go, oh, it's those people over there. See their prosperity gospel. See the whatever. And I go, and this is my, my sphere that the Lord has given me to operate it. I go, no, that's here in the truth, in the, in the watchman-based end times-based, eschatology-based movement that's going on right now, it is in this community that I see that played out more often than even in the Joel Osteen type. I'm just using that as an example, right? That, That ilk and that movement is because they're always learning, never able to come to an understanding of the truth. Why? Because the truth is the person and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the light. What they want is the pleasure response of fear, the pleasure response of the next shoe to drop, the euphoria of the latest, greatest intel, and the vainglorious self-exaltation of self-righteousness of having superior, super-secret knowledge over the next guy. That's, I see it so often, so often in this truther movement. So they go from clickbait to clickbait to clickbait. They're learning, 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 learning. They can tell you everything about the deep state, everything about international banking systems, everything about space based weapon platforms and directed energy weapons. They can tell you everything about Antediluvian Age and everything in between. They can tell you about MKUltra. You know, monarch mind control programs, every single thing they can tell you, but what they don't ever key in on and what they won't talk about is righteousness and holiness and meekness and dying to self and suffering for Christ Jesus. They won't tell you about the numerous amount of, of souls that they saw set free from bondage in Christ Jesus. They won't key in on those things. It's only ever surrounding themselves with great teachers telling them what their itching ears want to hear. So I don't care if you're part of the Torah Observer Movement, Hebraic Roots Movement, the New Apostolic Reformation Movement, the Prosperity Gospel Movement, Emergent Church Growth Movement, Progressive Social Justice Worry Movement, or the End Times Eschatology Watchmen Movement. It's whatever surrounding yourselves with great teachers telling you what your itching ears want to hear. And that dopamine release that comes with, Information, especially intelligence related to this constant, again, broken cistern of, of waiting for the next shoot to drop of end times prophecy playing out in real time actually creates the same equivalent dopamine release as somebody who's looking at pornography or as somebody who is dabbling in any other euphoric uh, inducing bliss inducing um, activity. Same exact thing. Physiologically, it is the same exact thing. So when this is the wisdom of the Lord, this is why I'm always like, we have to be rooted in the scriptures. The wisdom of the Lord and identifying these things, saying that you will say that you're wealthy and in need of nothing. Who says that? Who says that? Every single one of those movements say that. The NAR says, no, we have the fullness of the spirit. We're in need of nothing. And then the prosperity says, no, we look at our satellite campuses and our church growth model. We're in need of nothing. And then the truth Christianity Watchman movement says we're wealthy and the knowledge of these things. We are not apostate like everybody else. We are wealthy. We're in need of nothing. See, and and it's all about this being a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God himself. We were talking about this off air, right? How how do we, how do we validate that? It's easy. Let us do a show on Nephilim, fallen angels, space-based technologies in the occult. See how many views we get. Let us do a show on consecrating yourself to Christ Jesus, being sanctified in the word of truth, being washed over and having control of your tongue. We'll see how many views we get, right? So you agree. You can see it play out in real time. It's like the clickbait, that's what the people want. But when you talk about dude, how's your marriage? They tune out. Bro, how's your standing with a holy god? They tune out. How, how are you doing being the high priest of your household, man. Like like you talk about all the things that are going on in the world around you and all these wicked deep state thing, but you, you let your kid have TikTok on their phone and you let your kid has Snapchat on your phone and you sit your kid in front of a TV and then you send them to the Roman uh, uh, indoctrination schools every day of your life because you don't want to take the time to shepherd them. So you just pawn all that technology off them. Yet you're shouting from the rooftops how wicked the government is. Like, dude, double-minded. Talk about double-minded. You ought not think you should receive anything from the Lord, right? So anyways, yeah, this is something that's going on. And very real time is the faulty self-actualization of the church. In anywhere you swing that pendulum, it's the same. Because get this, my beloved, it is the spirit of the age, not the spirit of those guys over there. It is the spirit of the age, and that is why we have to be rooted in Christ Jesus. And that is why we have to have and be surrounded by an authentic, God-fearing, Bible-believing, hungering and thirsting for righteousness body that we're in fellowship with regularly. So when I'm stumbling in an air, they lift me up. And when they're stumbling in an air, they lift me up. We have to have an authentic body in Christ Jesus to walk the narrow Path Because it is so narrow that you must take off the shoes of your feet and feel with your toes and the muck and the mire and the thorns to stay on that path through the dark, treacherous terrain
0: that we are being led into in this generation. I agree. And folks, listen, the closer you get to the Lord, the closer we get into the the most holy place. You know, I mean, our life, our journey with the Lord is the same journey uh, that we that the high priest would journey through the outer, you know, the gate, the outer court uh, to the inner court through, you know, the laver and, and all these things were sitting, you know, the laver baptism, you know, into, you know, the sacrificial, you know, where Jesus laid his life down. If you actually look, brother Jamie, the Lord came in the reverse. Verse, uh, place that we go to him. So Jesus comes from the most holy place in heaven, comes out through the holy place, right? He's raised, he, he's eaten the word by the, you know, not, age of 12. He's already blowing the scholars. mind. he's filled with the you know, with God's spirit, and we see it, of course, manifest really in its fullest measure um, as as uh, with John the Baptist, uh, baptized him, he saw the dove literally, but then he comes out where he's baptized in the laver, he lays down his life on the where they did the sacrifices, right? And then he is buried, he goes through the gate, with, and then he's buried outside. The, you know, outside the temple. And, and we meet somebody that brings us to Jesus outside the temple, right? Jesus says, I'm the way, the gate, I'm the only way in. And then we come down, we accept his sacrifice. We baptize in the waters. We eat from the table, show bread. We are filled with the spirit. We bring our prayers up. And ultimately we want to go into the most holy place where we hear the very voice of God, folks. We actually go in the same way Jesus came to us. The reverse way. It's amazing. But here's the thing: people aren't leading and pointing us back to the most holy place. And here's the truth. As the pre you have starting in the outer court and all that stuff, they had the deacons, the the Levites, and then, but then as they started again, and then it became the priests. And then all the way as they got into the most holy place, it started to get less and less and less until the only one that could go in once a year was the high priest. Folks, as we draw closer to God, as the ground gets holier, as Brother Jamie was saying, less and less people you'll find often will be around you. I'm not trying to say you need to be any type of a hermit. But as we grow closer to the Lord, you'll find out that many will drop away. And, and and so, brother, I don't, I mean, I, you know what, I, you you understand that experience, how the closer you get to God, sometimes we lose some people. We don't oh, want yeah. to, but as the ground gets holier, you know, and, and, and so folks, what I'm trying to share with you tonight is that, let, let's look at it like this. And brother, I want you to share, I, I think the, this will, will bring something for you here uh, to talk about. If I was a drug addict, okay? And I came to the all of a sudden the realization I am hooked and I'm doing this from experience. I'm hooked on drugs. I'm stuck. I know that I need deliverance. That's a wonderful thing. I now have knowledge of the end times of where I'm going to end up in my life, right? In the grave. Okay. That's end time knowledge. But if nobody ever comes up and offers me a way out See, then there's no, then I will just simply remain a knowledgeable drug addict. When I go down, when we go down to the jail and I've been, I've had the pleasure of preaching to my own friends, the dope man. I was a drug deal user, but I preached to the dealers. You know, I've had this pleasure. They, when I go into the prison brother, they don't, I don't say to them, Hey, you're just nothing but a bunch of rotten sinners. They already know that they're in prison, right? You know what they want to know? How do we get out of this? lifestyle yeah Yeah, absolutely they they want to know what to do and i am afraid that the watchman movement many today are not sharing what we ought to do in this hour go ahead brother sorry
1: yeah no it's it's absolutely true because more often than not when you share about what you ought to do it doesn't produce the right income that you desire. <laughs> let's be let's be perfectly honest more often than not. And I'm not saying that for everybody. There's a lot of faithful watchmen out there. You know, we, we talked off air I think about my brother Steve Quill um, I, Steve and I are, are close. We've been dear friends. He's undergirded my girded my family in a, in a lot of different ways over the years. Steve has been specifically called by the Lord to be a watchman, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, doesn't matter. He's a dear brother to me and, and I absolutely love him. And the one reason why I've always, uh, just been endeared to Steve and, and, and prayed for him earnestly is because he always, always no matter what he's fire hosing as a watchman called and appointed by the lord which by the way let me let me digress here real quick there are not that many watchmen on a wall everybody getting that all these people saying they're watchmen they're not hands down period not it is carnal it is self-appointed they chose it they were not appointed you want to know how i know because you only need four of them in any given city one on each wall There are so few people that are called by God and appointed by God to be a watchman. So few, just like there are very few within a kingdom, right? It's a kingdom. There are very few within a kingdom that are called to be warriors. And in the warrior class, most people are supposed to just be inside the walls going about their normal business. So for every single person that hears an informational update to say, now I'm a watchman on a wall, I'm saying you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. You are not. I'm telling you, you're not a watchman. You are a benefactor of an authentic watchman. So I digress. Let me, let me finish my thought on Steve. The one thing I've always appreciated about Steve is that he always brings it back to repentance and humility in Christ Jesus. No matter what he's talking about, no matter how the information is, how it comes off, how it comes about, how he's communicating it, he only ever wants to see people come into the presence of a holy God and repentance and glorify him and seek him with the whole, whole heart. See, that's a watchman, right? So having, being the sons of is, Issachar that have an understanding of times and know what Israel must do, here's the answer what Israel must do, what the church must do, and this is what people don't like to talk about, is full on repentance. Repent for the day the Lord is at hand. The message has never changed. It has never changed from Genesis to Revelation. It is the same message all the way through. It hasn't changed from the outpouring of, the Holy Spirit, the dove descending on Jesus with John the Baptist to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost with Peter. His first message repent for the day of the Lord is at hand. And with many other words, he, he warned them. And 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. It's about consecrating ourselves to Christ Jesus. It's about, uh, now I can't think of the scriptural reference. Oh, Joshua 7, the sin of Achan, consecrate yourselves today for you have been made liable on the field of battle. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove the devoted things that belong to the Lord from your camp. Today, consecrate yourselves. Hebrews. Consecrate yourselves today. Repent today. If you hear his voice today, it's always a present command. It is never a past tense. It's never future tense. It's only ever a present thing. It's an ever-present command to be in constant, perpetual repentance and consecrating ourselves to the Lord. Because here's, here's the fullness of the wisdom of God. Daniel eleven thirty two. Those who know their God shall be strong and go forth and do exploits. Those who are wise in the Lord will turn many back to righteousness. This is Daniel 12. And they'll shine like bright shining stars in the vast expanse of the universe from everlasting to everlasting. Those who know their God. Not those who know information. Not those who are unbelievably well-versed in all the intricacies of all the histories of the cosmos. Not those who are well-versed in theology and they have all their little doctrinal boxes checked. It's those who know their God. God. And these are the ones who know the Lord. These are the ones who are esteemed by God. Him who is humble and contrite and trembles at his word. See, if he operates an upside down kingdom, it is the weak who are made strong. It is those who mourn, that will be comforted it is those who are broken and contrite that are undergirded by the lord it is those who are absolutely aware of how weak and pathetic they are that they have nothing to bring before a holy god except for their reprobate double-minded sinful nature it's those who know their god and they go it's his faithfulness it's his strength it's his might it's his righteousness it's his holiness It's his truth that is my war belt around my way. It's the peace that I now have through his son, Christ Jesus, that's girded my feet so I don't twist my ankle on this field of battle. It's all about him. I know my God. Go ahead and throw us in the fire. He's more than able to deliver me. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I'll never bow down to you. I know my God. Praise God. See, it's the weak and weary. And it's those who know their God. And how do you come into a knowing of your God? My righteous ones will live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please me. And it takes wisdom to grow in faith. And how do you grow in wisdom? Well, you grow in the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And those who fear the Lord, he will reveal the mysteries of his covenant to them. It says he confides in those who fear him. He tells them, this is who I am. And if you understand who I am, then you'll understand who you are. And if you understand and know who I am and you understand and know who you are, you will be strong in me. Mm. and you will go forth and do exploits, and I will be magnified because you won't taint any of my glory and take it for yourself. You won't say it's because I knew the latest, greatest intel, because I was adequately prepared, because I was a sufficient prepper, because I wasn't like those apostates over there. I wasn't like, see, you won't take any of that credit for yourself. You will know your God because you know who he is and then you know who you are. And because you have a knowing of him and a knowing of who you are and your identity is in Christ alone, you therefore will be made strong through Christ to go forth and do daring feats of valor. See, this is what it's all rooted in. And this is what the sons of Issachar knew and understood. This is what the church has completely rejected utterly rejected even in the truther watchman movement the majority listening to the watchman have rejected the truth but they're always learning because they're narcissistic lovers of pleasure and this is what we have to repent of christ jesus counsels us he says you say your faulty self-actualization that you're wealthy and in need of nothing but you've never asked me how i see you ask the lord beloved lord how do you see me you might be surprised at the answer. He might say, you think you're this, but, and he does it lovingly because his, his desire is never ruination. It's only ever reformation. Everybody get that? So he'll deal with you tenderly, maybe harshly, but it's still tender and merciful to deal with us. And he may say, you say you're wealthy and in need of nothing. You think you're crushing it for me, but I'm telling you, son, I'm telling you, daughter, you have to know how I see you. You're wretched and you're pitiful and you're poor and you're blind. And you're naked, but listen to me. I'm counseling you. Come to me and repent. Purchase from me white raiments to cover your nakedness. Purchase from me gold purified in a fire. Purchase from me healing bombs so that your eyes might, might see. Come back to me. Don't you understand? I'm on the outside knocking. Open the door. I will come in and we'll sit down and share a meal together, beloved. Mm-hmm. Don't you see? See, I want to restore you in the right identity, but you've forsaken your first love. You're running after the Nicolaitans. You're giving heed to the, that Jezebel. You're, you're given over to these things. You're a lover of the world and the things of the world. You love pleasure rather than me. And you don't even know it because you say you're wealthy and in need of nothing. See, this is at the root of the faulty self-actualization of this Laodicean church age. Even those who listen to your program faithfully, Brother Frank always, always learning, but they're not cut to the heart. They're not undone. They're not willing to suffer. And since they're not willing to suffer and they're not willing to mourn, how could they be comforted? How how could they how could they be raised with Christ? If they're not willing to suffer even in their flesh, even in their consciousness for the sake of Christ, how could they be unified with Christ? If they think they're going to be raptured out of here and avoid any manner of suffering that's under their sanctification, how in the world could they ever be unified with them in death and therefore mm. raised and glorified with them in life? See, Amen. we have forfeited, we have systematically forfeited in this late hour every single blessing afforded To those who are in Christ Jesus, we have forfeited them, like Adam and Eve forfeited the presence of God in the garden, like Samson forfeited the presence of God, like Israel forfeited the presence of God, and Ichabod was written over the head. We too, in the latest scene, church age, have forfeited every single attribute of blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. Those who suffer, those who suffer, those who suffer. Blessed are you to your commendation, to your commendation. If you suffer, we have forfeited it all and said, hey, I'm going to be raptured out of here. I'm good to go. Whatever. I'm wealthy and in need of nothing. Dude, for real? Like This is insane, right? And it's like, no wonder why we have the form of godliness, but it's totally devoid of the power of God. We have the form of it. It looks godly, just like the Pharisees. We do tit for tat, line upon line, You know, every dot and tittle, and we learn and we study and we pontificate the things of God. We have the form of godliness, His name is on our lips all the time, but we have utterly denied the power of God being made known in our lives through suffering and through dying itself, through the crucifying of the flesh, through the putting to death the deeds of the sin, through living as children of light because we were once in darkness by not being conformed any way to the former patterns of our life, but being conformed to the image and likeness of Christ Jesus in suffering. Suffering even in your thoughts, in your consciousness, in your relationships, in the physicality of your very corporal reality, suffering for Christ's sake and repenting where we have failed and become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, even in the information
0: that we consume. Go ahead, brother. And, bro, no, brother, I just went to church. Praise God, brother. I'm, I'm so fired up now. I can't hardly really stand it. Listen, folks, just a couple of things where brother Jamie was saying, you're right. Everybody want, thinks they're just going to fly out of here. I don't need to suffer. I'm just going to be raptured out of here. That's for the Jews. And I'm trying to tell you, read Romans chapter 11 we gentiles i or i whether you're born or not by the blood of christ we are grafted into the natural vine even the wild we become a part of him we and we don't want to forfeit this brother j sharing the earlier I'm, i'm taking this from him so we're not here to forfeit the resurrection of christ the resurrection of the dead at the end of time, or those who will make it. God has called us. He said, look, don't take them out of the world, but Father, keep them from the evil. God has a plan to get us through in these last days. And if all you can think about is escaping early, instead of humbling ourselves and seeking our Lord, we are going to be in trouble. And listen, there's a lot that are suffering and you feel like you're in the fire right now. And I understand that, but folks, it's in the fire so often that might be the only opportunity for somebody else to see jesus you see the three men hadn't been thrown in the fire nebuchadnezzar may not have ever gotten to see the lord but because of their experience someone else benefited and they came out freed from the bondage of the ropes of that world and the chains of this world that had bound them they were set free but here's the, it, brother, this is the amazing thing. God says one thing simply, when we see the day of the Lord coming, this is the last day. This is what we're, where we believe we're at. He doesn't say go out and store up all these different things, I, and which I, I don't think there's a problem with prepping. There's nothing wrong with that. But the actual command on what to do from the book of Joel, the Lord says, gather together, humble, fast, and weep between the altar and the porch and cry out when you see the day of the Lord coming.
1: Amen. It says, you know how many times it specifically gives the command to gather together? You know, the number one thing that everybody's forsaking right now is gathering together. So again, the sons of Issachar had understanding times and knew what the church, I am in, sitting in the church must do. I mean, I, 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 we, you know, we, we began this where I was reading Zephaniah, why we did this thing out here and at the, at the base camp, right. Gather together, gather together before the great and terrible day of the Lords, you know, be, do not forsake together in the saints be found gathering together and encouraging one another even more so as you see the day of the Lord approaching. But, you know, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? Having a form of God, denying the power of Nah, it's cost too much. Nah, gas prices. Nah, I don't want to sleep in a tent. Nah, I don't want to drive across. No, you know, it's like there's always an excuse and it is, it is this excuse that's totally devoid of the Lord. Here's some wisdom My dad shared with me and I'll never forget it. It was when I was crying and whining, had my panties in a bunch about something. And he said, what do you, what do you want, Jamie? He goes, listen, you get one shot to show the Lord that you understand what he's done for you by being willing to suffer for him. One shot. He goes, because when you see him face to face, it's all done all your faith becomes sight, all your hope comes to fruition. There is no more suffering. There is no, you will know him in full and you will be known in full. He said, you have one shot to testify to him that you understand his love for you by being willing to suffer for him. We learn this in the Marine Corps, right, brother, about selfless sacrifice. Yes selfless sacrifice. You sweat, you bleed, you train, you push harder. You stay up longer. You go with less sleep, less food, less water, less accolades, less data boys, less personal validation. You're out there doing things. Nobody has a clue while they're in the comfort of their own homes. You're out there grinding it out. Why? So that others may live. You are Semper Fidelis, always faithful so that others may live. For a greater good, you are willing to lay down your life. You get one shot to bring glory and honor to a true and better king and to a true and better kingdom that you belong to. You get one shot. And I've never forgotten that, that my dad challenged me in that. And so it even says this in Romans 8, like, if you are children of God, then you're heirs also. And you're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If, circuit, circle it, ladies and gents, if indeed we suffer with him. Why? So that we may also be glorified with him. Why in the world would you want to, why would, why would you want to forfeit? The glorification that you can have in Christ Jesus in the resurrection for a love of pleasure, for a fleeting dopamine release, for a crappy, carnal, broken cistern, worlded life, for your IRA and your pensions and your, and, your, and your Netflix series from that reprobate program, you know, that shows nothing but pedophiles and child groom. like, so that you can sit at home and watch that series. Are you kidding me? You're not even willing to suffer in your consciousness by canceling your Netflix service? But yet all the while, you're always learning and you're always proclaiming Christ and him crucified. And you're always talking about the end times and all the latest, greatest information and neo-gnosticism, but it's all actually rooted in narcissism because you're actually a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. See, this is why it's such a big deal. It is such a big deal to be willing to, to bring the whole tithe into his storehouse. The whole tithe of your entire life, of your entire being. And I'm not saying we don't wrestle the flesh and we don't wrestle with comfort and the Lord doesn't give us good things, right? He doesn't call you to just walk around, woe is me, eeyore it up you know, sackcloth and ashes your whole life, he gives us good things. He's given us creation to delight in and good food to eat. He enjoyed sitting down with his disciples, even after the resurrection to share a meal with them, right? He enjoys fellowship and relationship and experiences and enjoying creation. We're not saying that. What we're saying is to have a kingdom mindset and and an eternal perspective that all these other things around you, even the knowledge you hold lightly right? The relationships you hold very lightly. The, the pleasures and the comforts that the Lord afforded you that you praise him for and you thank him for, you still hold it lightly. You hold it all lightly because you know that none of it, these light momentary afflictions, these light momentary comforts mean nothing compared to the eternal glory that's going to be revealed to you in Christ Jesus. So, you don't look at what is seen. You look at what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but
0: what is unseen is eternal. That's mm. what we're talking about. Amen. Praise God. Folks, this is this is so important because the, the whole reason for tonight's program and understanding what to do, it, it's so simple. But here, here's the encouraging part of this. As Brother Jamie had mentioned earlier. With the Church of Laodicea, which we know is the church for today, okay, at least in the Western and uh, European here, you know, world that there is this is the way the church is today. But even with all of that present, Jesus never stopped knocking at their door. You see, the Church of Laodicea thought they had everything. That they were rich and and they were in need of nothing, you know. When truthfully they were blind, poor, and naked. But even with all that, he still says, "I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire." You know, the next time you're in the middle of some suffering, and I know this is hard to do, and I've had that. Even my wife has reminded me at things at times. And I've gotten into some some suffering and some things going on and I start the Jamie the Woe is me party right and and I have to be reminded of certain things. but remember this, the Lord purges and tries us to bring something beautiful from us. And just maybe that fire you're in, as we said earlier, is the first opportunity that somebody will ever have to see Jesus in their life. And so God says with all that, that as many as he loves, he rebukes, but behold, he is still standing at the door and knocking. Brother, our God doesn't give up. It's it's one of the most beautiful, the church in Laodicea is one of the most merciful messages in the book of revelation of how God doesn't give up on undeserving people, brother. Amen. You know, I think about this all the
1: time about the love and mercy of the Lord. When I, when this is, I I think this is a, as a truth, but uh, if, if I'm not, the Lord can correct me, the Holy spirit can correct me. But when I read all the end time scriptures, all the scriptures of the tribulation period and everything that precedes it, everything that goes on during it and its culmination. I have only ever since I came into Christ at the age of 25, when I read it, I never once saw doom and gloom. I don't know if I'm crazy or what. i never once saw doom and gloom. I was amazed at the Lord's deep, incessant, obsessive, love-filled pursuit of people's hearts that's what i see in the tribulation he goes so far where he says i will shake not only the earth but also the heavens and the earth i will shake everything that cannot be shaken so only that which will be shaken will be remain. i will literally rearrange the cosmos i will bring down things from the heavens you will have no excuse i will so display my power to all of humanity in such a way that you cannot deny that i am who i said i am and if i am who i say I am that means my son is who he says and that means that salvation and eternal forgiveness of sins and eternal joy and eternal freedom from suffering and my presence emmanuel made manifest from everlasting to everlasting is true too amen so that's all i've ever seen in the in the whole end times narrative is god's consummate last great crescendo of mercy and grace that's all i've ever seen in it I don't, and again, I don't know if I'm crazy or what. I've never seen doom and gloom. I'm like, wow, God loves people. Wow, God loves people. God, he's going to split open the earth. He's going to shake the heavens. He's going to throw down celestial bodies. He's going to expose the delusions and and the fallacies of the world. He's going to show the vain, the vain broken cistern. Everything mystery Babylon represents is going to be laid bare so that people will turn their hearts and they will bow their knees willingly. Rather than later on, desperately, it's his last great act of consummate mercy and grace over the face of the earth. That's all I've ever seen in it.
0: Brother, and, you're, you're right. No, the book of Revelation, so many people see that as this doom and gloom and scary beasts and everything. Folks, scholars, people that have that have studied this book um, in depth understand that this is actually a book of hope. That's all I've ever seen. It,
1: it is. I mean, it's literally called. Revelation, which is the unveiling, the unveiling of what Christ Jesus. And what is Christ Jesus? He's God veiled in the flesh. What is God veiled in the flesh? God is love. Mm. God is love and he's just and you want him to be just. And he's he's a impartial judge. You want the impartiality of his judgment, and he's merciful. You want his mercy, and he's gracious. You want him to, you know, it's like it. This is it, it is the unveiling. Finally, no seen through a glass dimly on display all the world to see and the fullness of his majesty before all the powers of darkness, all the rebels, all the reprobates, all the sons of disobedience. And before all the heirs of a promise, all the sons and daughters of the most high, all those Jew and Gentile like grafted together, seeing him in full, the rider on the horse, whose name is faithful You, rides out in justice and judgment to make war. Because he's love. Warriors do what they do out from a true and better and deeper love that the land of the living and those who are protected by warriors will never know and understand. Warriors can only do what they do, can only manifest what they manifest in selfless sacrifice to the laying down of their lives, to the shedding of their own blood, because of a true and better love that most people in land of the living will never know and taste. That's what we learned and understood in the Marine Corps. And that's what you see and can understand throughout the totality of the scriptures. The mm-hmm. Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. God is love. Wait a minute. How did the two go together? They cannot be divorced from each other. They're symbiotic. Love and a warrior cannot coexist, cannot exist apart from one another. They're so intrinsically ingrained, ingrained that a warrior suffers. He suffers. He suffers and he dies and he fights and he lay down his life and he makes manifest who he is towards the object of his love by his willingness to fight and to
0: even die for them while they're unaware that's why a warrior is love amen brother praise god folks he is right this uh... It, it, this is a book of hope. This is God's deliverance. The, the whole scroll of destiny, the scroll of seven seals. If you look at Christ was destined, his whole purpose and life was destined to the men that you see there in Revelation where he unseals God's plan of deliverance for us. Not just to only forgive us for sins, but to redeem a broken people. God could have never, you know, God could have just divorced Israel like he did in in the book of uh, Jeremiah. And according to the Old Testament, you know, that according to the Old Testament, that if you divorced your wife and she went a whoring and married herself to the other, you could never be reconciled. Um, but Paul says that if one dies, that they are freed from the bondage of the law. So here Jesus comes, he, he divorces Israel, he lays down his own life, frees himself from his law, and he comes to take his bride back. That's how much your God loves you. He lays his own life down to pay the price and to take his bride back, brother. It's heavy stuff. That's cool. I have
1: never understood that. That is and, an awesome revelation. That's and, awesome.
0: And God and, and for folks, I learned that from other wonderful people, but it, it shows me the depth of the, the absolute nonstop that God would do anything in this world to have us be with him. And it's so much to comprehend so that as you're going through this trouble right now, as you're facing this fire right now in your own life, that you understand that your God is doing whatever it takes to guarantee you are in the kingdom with him. And brother, you know, that what what would you not do to save one of your children? You wouldn't even think twice about laying your life down. Amen. You wouldn't and, even consider not doing that. Absolutely. And then, I, I think that that comes
1: full circle to understanding the times and what the church must do is come into a knowing of your God. You have to come into anointing of your God, the sufficiency of His blood, the power of His resurrection, the depths of display on you while you were dead in your trespasses, an enemy of God, a son of disobedience, a child of wrath. He called you friend, and He pursued you. And this goes into the Romans eight. So, what should we say about such things? What do we say about these things, Brother Frank? Like, if God's for you, who in the world's going to be against you? Right? The, neither height, nor death, nor light, nor darkness, nor angel, nor demon. No, nothing, nothing, nothing. See, hear the sufficiency and the totality of that statement? Nothing in all. See the sufficiency and the totality of that statement? And all of creation can separate you from the love of God that has been made known to you in Jesus Christ. What? This is anointing of our God, that his perfect love casts out all fear. Where you fear you have been perfected by his love. This is anointing of your God, that he's not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a soundness of mind. This is the knowing of your God. If while you were his enemy, he calls you friend. If your your life is bought and paid for and hidden in Christ Jesus, who in the world can take it from you? Why why in the world would you cling to some fleeting notion of this carnal temporal life? Lay it all down for the cause of Christ Jesus because there's nobody coming to take it from you. It is hidden in him. It has been bought and paid for. Oh, death, where is your sting? It's been swallowed up. See, this is a knowing of your God. This is anointing of God that he does not treat you according to your trespasses or according to your iniquities. Though your sins are as scarlet, he makes mm. them white as snow. Though my sins are as piled as high to the heaven, yes. he does not treat me according to them. He doesn't remean them anymore. Lord, you deal with me according to my blamelessness and righteousness, O oh God. I know what I am, but I know who you are. I know, I know who you are. And see, I know Oh my God, and this knowing of your God, ladies and gents, is what makes you strong through the Lord. It's his strength that leads you forth to dare and do daring feats of valor. Why? For vainglory, self-exaltation? Absolutely not. To the fullness of the magnification and the glorification of the king who bought you. That's why you go forth and do it. And when you know you're God, you don't want any of it for yourself. You want dump trucks and dump trucks and tandem trucks full of treasures and crowns and crowns upon crowns to be given to you. Why? So you can throw them at his feet at the appointed time. That's why you don't want any of it for yourself. You know who he is. You know what he's worthy of. You literally just want to come with storehouses of crowns by walking faithfully and obediently and persevering under suffering and unjust things you want because you know you're God and you're like, I want to come into the king's presence and I just want to throw so much at his feet. I don't want to come pull my pockets inside out and go, I don't know, Lord. I'm just glad that I escaped the fire by the skin of my teeth. I smell like a bonfire, but at least I get to be in your presence. No, you know your God. You know what he's worthy of. He's worthy of it all. And you know that he will never leave you or forsake you. You know that death cannot touch you. The powers of darkness cannot snatch you from his hands. He will never leave or forsake you. His grace is sufficient today. You can come boldly and confidently in his storm room of grace. You've been given the power to trample on the, on the lion and on the Scorpion and on the serpent over all the power of the darkness, you know your God. This is what it means to have an understanding of the time and circle it in your Bibles. Have understanding to know what the church must do. This is what it's all centered on,
0: brother. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, brother, for being with us here tonight. Folks, you know, it's we're not trying to harp on other people. There are very good God fearing, loving brothers and sisters out there. And, and I, I disagree maybe with some of their you know, theology. That doesn't mean I don't believe they don't love the Lord, but what I'm am concerned about is the responsibility over the people who listen to this program. That's the, that is what I'm concerned about. And the, I am far from knowing everything. I, I'm just a fool, but I want To make sure that in the end time, that in the, when Jesus comes back again, that you won't look back at the remnant call and saying, brother, I wish you would have told me. Amen, man. Uh, Yeah. I I want you to know that your God loves you. He's called you for this hour and he's got a plan for redemption for you, but we have a job. We actually play a part in this. We are to seek his face, humble ourselves and we are to reach the loss for his kingdom. And folks, this is our job. It's our duty. It's our marching orders. And, and honestly, it's non-negotiable. It's, this is a non-negotiable. Now, that, he, that some of the ways he has different people that do different things in his body, but it's still the same. We seek His face, and we humble His and we reach the lost. Some that's through prayer, some that's through supporting other ministries, some that's through mission work, some that's through like Brother Jamie and his ministry. The body has many different parts, but we have the same mission. We are to reach the lost for Christ. It is not something we can argue It is what the command is. And brother, thank you so much for what you've shared tonight. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for being willing to step out and to share the gospel and to open your place up to strangers. Let me tell you what, folks, doing that in this day and age, that's a risky thing. No, it is. (laughs) Brother, you can, okay. All right. Listen, you've been to war, Okay. I have never went to war folks. When I was in the Marines, we almost went, we geared up. We were thought we were going to Iraq. Uh, I was between the two Gulf Wars and it didn't, we got called off. So I I don't have that firsthand experience like brother Jamie does, but I can tell you one thing, brother, I'll guarantee you as crazy as it was in war and it'll scare you. And I've talked to plenty of guys that were in it. uh, You will go in your pants. First time bullets come flying over your head. But Dude, have you, war seems almost tamed by some of the crazy people that get in contact with us this day and age. <laughs> Isn't
1: that the truth? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I often comment that the most peaceful time in my life was when I was at war. And I, I don't say that tongue in cheek. It was absolutely, everything was simplified. And I think that's why the Lord is going to bring war against the saints. And he allows the antichrist to make war against the saints and to overcome them for a time. Because in war, everything gets reduced to its common denominator and you have nothing but peace. Mm. It's like, you don't, you don't have to, you're not concerned about money. You're not concerned about relationships. You're not concerned about validation. You're not concerned about future. You literally actually live the scriptures about never worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow worry about itself. You live in the present in a way that you can't comprehend in the middle of war. It's so simple. You do the next mission and then you and then you wait to be told when you can rest. It sounds like what our Christian calling an election is supposed to be. You literally do the next mission. Whatever mission they tell you, you carry it out with honor, courage, and commitment. You have no concept of the future because it's not guaranteed, it's not promised. You just do everything. to to the best of your ability and when it's time to rest you'll be told when it's time to rest and when it's time to eat your provision will be there your sustenance will be there and when you're getting dehydrated your good commander i was a sergeant i was platoon commander i know when my marines needed water and i would tell them everybody stop drink water now see they didn't have to think about anything it was very simple just the mission and that's what the lord wants for his people in this late hour
0: Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Folks, please keep up with what's going on with brother Jamie. We are just simply sitting here trying to share with the body of Messiah in this hour, what to do. I don't have a magic pill, but there's not some star portal I can share with you to walk through is man. And the truth is folks don't get distracted. Our mission is simple. Reach the lost humble ourselves, seek his face, and let him lead. Brother, I had a pastor one time that said the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. He said, I was so glad I never made a plan for my life so that I could let the Lord lead me wherever he wanted. Amen. Amen. That was was powerful wisdom from an old man who knew the Lord well. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. It's my mom just wrote a little blog thing today about the uh the transfiguration of Christ, you know, and how God speaks he spoke so simply. Here Peter is acting a fool, and God spoke so simply. This is my son and whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Like God was like, you just follow him wherever he leads. That was it. Listen to him. Period. end of the conversation at the transfiguration yeah and, and on a side note as we're wrapping it up i again think of the wisdom of the lord to to and well obviously in foreknowledge to proclaim to his people do not be overcome by the anxieties and dissipations there's always an and the anxieties and dissipations of this life so that that day will come upon you unaware you're supposed to be busy and active with the kingdom mindset, not overcome by either or either the anxieties, right? That's the latest, greatest Intel. That's information. That's the pursuit. That's a broken instant or the dissipations. That's frivolity. That's vain living, vainglorious living. That's being overwhelmed by entertainment. It says, don't be overcome by either one of those so that that day, the Lord comes upon you unaware, but be sober minded, hyper-vigilant. An eager anticipation of the return of the Lord with great joy.
0: Amen. Great joy. Amen. Folks, that's right. The only person, the only people that the Lord's returning to as a thief in the night are the those who are not watching. He, He is actually told us to watch so that he doesn't come as a thief in the night to us. We are to be ready for the coming of our Lord. Brother, God bless you. Thank you for coming on tonight. I was richly blessed. And uh, thank you so much, folks. Please keep up with Brother Jamie Walden at the Omega Dynamics. Also, he's on Facebook and uh, with his ministry. And brother, do you all have anything planned coming up soon here? No, I was thinking about,
1: speaking of rodeos, I was thinking about the Lord burdened me to do a brodeo. <laughs> so so to, <laughs> to gather, to gather godly men and really invest in a time of, of, you know, rich, intimate fellowship, and then forging that bonding through adventure-based stuff to really get men to start standing up as a
0: warrior priest of their household. So maybe we'll do that this fall. We'll see. Amen, folks. I, yeah, he's, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I just can't stand the Sissified world we live in today, but I'm not even gonna get started there because it's such a good program. I'll get myself all fired up and upset. (laughs) So God bless you so much, everybody. This is Brother Frank and Brother Jamie Walden on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Throw a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Throw a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Throw a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. The a trumpet in Zion, on the mountains.